0: find a mentor that you can afford and that you'd like, get them. Because if you're out there stumbling and bumbling around, it's just going to make things worse for you. Yeah, it really yeah, will. Yeah. I mean, you know, people say hang in there, stick in there. It's hard when you don't understand anything, you're alone and everybody's telling you no. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand. It's hard. Yeah.
1: You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives, and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show.
2: Hey, We Love Equity Real Estate family. It is Marcus Maloney, and we are ready for another show. In the midst of everything with the coronavirus and the pandemic and what we're facing in our nation and throughout the world, I wanted to bring some information to you to give you a glimmer of hope and, you know, to provide you again with an additional opportunity to uh, invest in real estate. So I have today a special guest, Joe Bodak, from the Philly area. He's a Philly guy and he specializes in creative financing with deals. He's a third generation real estate investor. His dad and granddad were builders and developers. And he now is into the creative real estate financing with uh, sandwich lease option, wholesale lease options and wholesaling. So you'll get a different perspective. We normally talk about traditional wholesale and we will talk with Joe today about lease options. So Joe, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. And you?
2: Oh, I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. You know what, with all of this, um, Social distancing, you know, you have your, you know, fifteen to two thousand square foot. You got to be in, so just really trying to find some creative ways to get get deals done. Still, so
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, I can help you out with that a little bit, Marcus. And I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, not a problem, not a
2: problem, man. So, in speaking with you, Joe, um just doing some research, man. I see you do quite a bit with, you know, creative real estate investing. So, before we get there, man. Give me a little backstory about you. How did you get started in real estate investing? Um I know you're a third generation guy, but I know sometimes, you know, your parents have one course set for you. You may think of something else. So kind of give me the backstory on that.
0: Well, what happened actually, you know, normally the story is that uh uh the the fellow was watching, uh, was up all night hating his job, watching the uh, uh infomercials at three in the morning saw the infomercial, uh, joined the real estate, bought the real estate program. And of course, the rest is history. Uh, My story is not that. I'm third generation. I was born into real estate. I mean, I remember driving up to the jobs on my father's lap when he would be driving up to his building jobs. So I was, uh, my grandfather was a builder developer, as you said, and so was my dad. As a matter of fact, if any of your um, uh, listeners are familiar with a, with a split level, they probably have seen that kind yeah. of house. My dad's the guy that made him famous. Now, he claims he invented them. I'm not so sure he did that. He might have. But okay. he made them famous. So if you're living in a split level, it's because he, he basically made the, made the property famous. He built thousands of them. And I worked with him for about 25 years or so. Uh, I learned how to develop ground. I learned how to build houses. And I ran seven different accounts apartment complexes and so forth. So I got a big background in um, in uh, traditional real estate. Okay. And I did that for about, about 30, about 20, 25 years, something like that. That's how I got started. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good, man.
2: I mean, not everybody have that opportunity to have that background, you know, where you're third generation builders and developers, you know, so that really gave you a great position, you know, in getting started. And speaking of split levels, I just walked the split level uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, it's a deal that we're going to pick up. So yeah, very familiar with the split level. So thanks, uh, Granddad Bodak. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that would be my dad. You can thank Ralph. He's the guy that made him famous, yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, thanks, Ralph. Thank you. So. Was your dad and grandfather, was there, were they your inspiration? Because I know you, you kind of deviated from the track of real estate. So kind of tell us about that.
0: Yeah, really, my, my dad was. I really kind of wanted to be just like him and, you know, build houses and develop ground. I mean, I, I liked it. What happened was when I um, was in college, um, uh, one of his uh, guys that ran a lot of the business died. And I really didn't like college all that much. So I wound up not finishing because I wanted to go to work, which is really what I wanted to do. And um, so when that happened, he said, OK, if you really want to do it, OK. I mean, he wasn't thrilled about my not finishing, but he said, OK, you can go ahead. And um, that's how I got involved. It was it was somebody's death that actually, you know, got me into into his company. And uh, that's how I started. So he was my first mentor. And to be honest with you, uh, wasn't that bad of a thing. I mean, at that time, he was uh, the biggest builder of single-family houses in the country. So you couldn't ask for a better mentor, you know, than him. And um, that's basically how how I got involved. It was actually through somebody dying, and I came in and filled the shoes.
2: Wow. So I know um, you kind of deviated from doing real estate. You started doing insurance. Tell me how did that how did that transpire?
0: Well, what happened was um, eventually we got to the point where where, you know he wanted to retire, so everything got sold off, and um, he moved on down to Fisher Island down in Florida. And I was you know I could go back in to start building again, which is what I was seriously thinking of doing. But I decided a buddy of mine told me about this uh, organization that that I found pretty interesting. It was a life insurance company. And, um, you could build a company within a company side. I thought, you know, let's try something a little different for a little bit. And uh, I was very thankful that I did it because, um, uh, I learned these guys uh, were the, the most fantastic marketers you could ever imagine. I've never run across a group that knew how to market, uh, like these guys did. And I learned, I mean, it was priceless what I learned. So I stuck. With, I stuck with that. I became a senior vice president and uh, was going to become a national sales director when they decided to su- sell the company. So at wow. that point, I said, "Well, you know, heck with this. I'm going to go back into real estate." I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was really thankful that I had done that because the, the marketing that I learned uh, was absolutely fantastic. It's okay. it's what allowed me to go forward.
2: So how did you rebound from? Transitioning, really pivoting from the insurance business back over to real estate. What what did you do to try and make that transition a little bit more seamless? Because you know your dad sold off everything. And I'm assuming that you started from you know scratch or next yeah, to nothing. Sorry. So how did how yeah. did you make that pivot?
0: Well, it, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, what happened was. Now now I'm an old guy. Okay. So in the old days we didn't have internet and all that neat stuff. So people out there that were soliciting for business did it by mail. And, um, I was getting these booklets, they were about way thick like that, which I used to send in the old days. And Mm -hmm. it was from a guru, a guru who shall remain nameless, but at any rate, he was one of the first, uh, him and, um, uh, Parton sheets with the two guys out there. That's how long ago it was. Okay. Okay. They were the two guys that were out there at the time, pretty much the only guys. And at any rate, kept sending these booklets. And I had this big background in, in traditional real estate and I'm reading that you can uh, do deals with no money down, do deals without putting any money out, get, you can get equity from people that'll give you their house with the equity. And Mm -hmm. I'm reading this stuff. I'm going, this guy's nuts. Okay. You can't do this stuff. And every month, like clockwork, I would get these booklets and I'd throw them out, okay? Okay. So one time I said, well, you know, I got to make a decision. I either got to go back, start building houses or do something else in real estate. So I'm going to get this guy's course and I'm going to do everything he said right to the letter and I'm going to prove he's a crook and I'm going to, you know, call the attorney general and turn him in. That was my theory, okay? (laughs) So
2: real quick, Joe, before you move on, um, that's the power of consistency. Whoever it was, whoever the guru was, every month, they were sending you this marketing, sending you this marketing. And this is what I tell people in real estate. You know, if you're going to do this and be successful, you have to be consistent with your marketing. So you were just taking it, throwing it in the trash, throwing it in the trash. And then finally, you came to a position where you said, okay, I need to do X or Y. Let me look at why I've been receiving this information every month. Let me just see what it's about. And that's all we're looking for as real estate investors—is just to tweak that little bit of interest, yeah. for you to make that phone call. Okay, go ahead, Joe. Sorry.
0: Yeah, what he did was he created a lot of curiosity and interest, but but I was bound to determine to prove that he was he was a crook. Okay, that uh-huh. was that was in my mind because my background was traditional real estate from some of the greatest guys that taught me this that were ever in the business. Yep. So at any rate, <laughs> I, I bought the course. And I, I I, took one month, which I recommend to all students. You take a minimum of one month anytime you buy a course. And I mean, I just went through this thing. And I, you know, I had it. I didn't know what I was doing. And it was completely opposite of everything I knew. Mm-hmm. So I had to relearn it, which was harder than not knowing anything to begin with.
2: Right, right. right. You had but to had unlearn to re- it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to relearn everything because it was completely opposite. So I did. I spent 30 days doing that. And um, so I went out, I did everything he did. And in those days, uh, the only thing we had was newspapers. We didn't have the internet, so no. it was so you put your ads in the newspaper, I buy houses, and lo and behold, I get this phone call. And to make a very long story short, it was a very nice four bedroom colonial home, not too far from where I live. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I had the scripts, and so, so I went and did my thing. And believe it or not, 31 days later, I had a ten thousand dollars check in my hand. Wow! And I, said, wait a, I, said, I said, "Wait a minute! <laughs> wait a minute! I think I've been wrong. <laughs> right. How can I possibly be wrong? You know?" And to make a long story short, it worked. And it was a first lease option deal that you know I did. And um, right the minute that, that she handed me that check, I said, "Okay, <laughs> this works. It now this I know works. what I'm going to do." Yeah. Right. And so I I started doing that, and then I also picked up a course on wholesaling, and I learned to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the, I, I did both kind of deals, but although I still did wholesaling, I, I kind of leaned into the lease options because I liked them better. They were more of an art form. You could do a lot more with them.
2: Okay. So, Joe, for those who, that, for those who don't know, explain what lease options is. So I'm going to ask you to explain what a lease option is, and then we'll explain what wholesaling is and then we'll marry them together and have you to explain what wholesaling
0: lease options
2: <laughs> is we can so, do that. Okay. Yep. so let's start with a lease option what is a lease option
0: well marcus this is really easy i'm going to give you the easiest way to understand it uh, i'm sure you and your listeners uh have an idea of how a car lease works correct yep. pretty much okay yep. and if you haven't ever leased a car i'm sure you know You lease the car for a period of time, usually three years with a car, but it could be any period of time. And at the end of that lease period, you have the right, you have the option to purchase that car at a predetermined price. They tell Mm -hmm. you when you go to lease that car, they'll tell you when you sit down in three years, here's what the car is worth. You can buy it for that amount. Okay. So at the end of that car lease, you can then option to purchase the car or give the car back to the dealer and go do whatever it is you want to do. Just substitute a house. It's the same exact thing. You lease that house for a period of time. You have a predetermined price that you're going to be able to purchase it for, for whatever, after that length of that lease period is over. And um, you have a predetermined rental. You have a predetermined amount of time in which to exercise your option. So it works just like a car lease. It's no different. All you got to do is substitute a house.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So we have the lease option. Now explain what wholesaling is.
0: Well, wholesaling to me, now there's lots of versions, but my version of wholesaling is you're going to to build a, a nice big bank of cash buyers. You're going to go out, you're going to find your properties, whatever methodologies you're using you're gonna get that property under contract and you're going to ass- uh, assign that contract to a, a, a um, cash buyer.
2: Okay. okay.
0: That's, that's my version of wholesaling.
2: Okay, now let's For, tie- for an
0: assignment. For an assignment,
2: for an assignment right. right. Okay, so let's tie it all together. Wholesaling lease options. Because people know about you know wholesaling, They know about wholesaling lease options somewhat. They kind of get the the concept, but from you, you know, being a specialist at this, kind of give us the rundown on how we can wholesale a lease
0: option. Okay. Now, in order to do that, I want to tell you what, can I tell you just briefly about a sandwich lease option so they know the difference? Sure. Most, Most lease options that people are familiar with is called a sandwich lease option. And in that, you're going to stay in the middle of the deal. That's why they call it a sandwich, because you're right in the middle. You're between okay. the buyer and the seller. And uh, you're basically lease optioning the property from the seller with the right to sublease it to a tenant buyer. Okay? okay? So you have three paydays. You have the upfront money, which is the option consideration. That's the money that the tenant buyer gives you up front. That's non-refundable. goes right in your pocket. Okay. You then have the rent spread, the difference between what you're collecting from your tenant buyer and what you owe the seller. Everyone. So if,
2: for example, if you get a property under, if you have an agreement to pay the the uh, the seller $1,000, but the property can rent for $1,200, then you keep the 200, the seller gets the
0: $1,000. That is correct. Okay, okay, perfect. And then you have what's called the back end. Where you, when you, when uh, A year or so later, when the uh, tenant buyer exercises his option to purchase, um, you're going to get money when they go to close to actually have the title transfer and they buy the house. They officially buy the house. Okay. I, it's called the back end money. Where that comes from is, suppose you had $20,000 in the deal. You took $10,000 up front from yep. the tenant buyer as an option consideration, Well, there's still $10,000 there. So okay. when you settle a year down the road, you get that other 10,000.
2: Okay. So okay. to make it so to make it plain, I'm buying a house or I'm lease optioning the house at $100,000 uh, between me and the seller. I go out, I find a tenant buyer that you're going to sell the house to them for $120,000. They have to put up $10,000 as a non-refundable option consideration amount, which is the ten thousand dollars, then you get the two hundred dollars a month from the rent over that they're paying. You pay the, the seller the thousand, and then when it's time to close after that option period, you get the other ten thousand dollars, which is the back end money.
0: That is correct. Okay, okay, perfect. Now, the reason why I mentioned it, wanted to mention it, was because there's three paydays there. It's a different it's a different format because you're in the middle. Okay. Yep. You stay in, you stay involved until the deal is completely over. All right. In a in a wholesale lease option, there's only one payday, and that's going to be the assignment. So what happens is you're going to enter into a lease option agreement with your with your seller, okay, mm-hmm. for let's say that same routine, 100000 dollars And then you're going to find a tenant buyer, you're going to raise the price of the house to the tenant buyer. Let's say that 20000 whatever it might be. And then you're going to assign, you're going to, you're going to enter an agreement with the tenant buyer. Okay, you're going to have a lease option agreement between you and the tenant buyer, or me and the tenant buyer. Okay. okay? And then I'm going to assign that agreement that I had between me and the tenant buyer back to the seller. Gotcha. Now, okay. now you could, you could, assign the agreement that you have with the seller to the tenant buyer but i don't do that and the reason is i want to have an equitable interest on both sides of the agreement so nobody can say i'm selling real estate without a license because i have an oh. agreement with the sell with the seller that gives me an equitable interest i have a mm. separate agreement with the buyer that gives me an equitable interest so gotcha. nobody can say anything i'm nobody can say i'm doing anything fraudulent okay gotcha gotcha so what happens in the wholesale, this option is there's only one payday. That's the assignment when you assign that agreement back. So once you assign it, you're out of the deal just like a traditional wholesale deal. And you go out and you find another one.
2: Okay, so how do you pitch this? Um, and I use pitch just for the lack of a, you know, a better yeah, word. How do, you, how do you use, how do you introduce this to the seller?
0: Okay. Well, it, there's there's two kinds of sellers. There's pe- there's sellers that want to sell. Yep. There's sellers that need to sell. Now, I'm a big believer in the numbers. I believe all of this is numbers, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, this business is really not the real estate business. It's really the marketing business. Yep. 98% of it is marketing. So I'm looking for th- that uh, 10% of the people out there that or selling a house, and that 10% is the people that need to sell. Now, you can work with the people that want to sell. However, they're in control of the situation. They're going to demand this and demand that and demand the other thing. And you can work with them. It's kind of a pain, but you can do it, okay? When you're working with people that need to sell, okay, they're looking for debt relief. That's why people do lease options, okay? Okay. They need debt relief. They bought another house. They can't get rid of the old one the two mortgages are choking them. Okay, They lost their job. They can't afford it anymore. They got to move to an apartment or whatever. They can't be choked by that mortgage. So they're looking for debt relief. All right. And the people that need to sell, they basically, it's it's basically, please take my house. Okay. Get me out from under this mess. I don't care what you do. Whereas when you're dealing with the want to sell, it's, well, I want this, I want that. So I'm a numbers guy. So how I pitch, I don't really pitch it. What I do is I go through the numbers of sellers out there until I find those ones that need to sell. And then it's a cakewalk from that point on. Okay. Okay. Now, I do business with people that want to sell as well, but they're not my target. Okay. They're not my target. So the pitch is really, I can get you out from under your mess. And that's all they want to hear. They're just looking for somebody that can come to the rescue.
2: Gotcha. and that that's good because that that puts you like you said in that position of i want to provide you a service that can help you versus i want to just buy your house okay got it got it
0: because because you know Marcus we're not Realtors we're 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 problem solvers right. that's what our job is okay yeah so you got to find people that have a problem in order to solve it
2: you got it. You got it, Joe. So let me ask you, so what do you do? Cause I know people are going to ask this question. What do you do? Do you go out and you find the tenant buyers first or do you go out and find the deals first?
0: Uh, no, I always suggest you find your sellers first. You've got to have inventory on the shelf or you can't make any money at all. Yep. Um, building a buyer's list. It's not the same as you would do for a uh, wholesaling because you're going to be dealing with cash buyers. So you want a big, robust list of cash buyers. Um, when you're dealing with uh, uh, lease options, trust me, you put an ad in the paper, uh, rent to own property available in such and such county, your phone's gonna ring off the hook. I mean, okay. Hook, okay. So it, it's not a problem finding the sellers. Now, if you want to build a seller's list, there's nothing wrong with that. You can, again, you can put an ad you know, in Craigslist, uh, rent-to-own properties available in such and such county, you're gonna get tons of calls and then you can qualify them and all that stuff. So you can do both, but I always recommend the seller is the lifeblood of the business.
2: Okay, so what what happens in the event if you're doing a sandwich lease option and that tenant buyer defaults or stop paying? Because you're in the middle of the deal, so now you're responsible for still paying that $1,000 to the seller, correct?
0: Correct. That's in a sandwich lease option, Right. right. a wholesale lease Right, option.
2: not a wholesale lease option, but a sandwich option. Now,
0: lease in one. a sandwich lease option, when that happens, Marcus, I will tell you truthfully, I go into a panic for about 38, 39 seconds. That's about it. Okay. Why? Because guess what? I get to do it all over again. I get to get that 10000 up front from somebody else. So I'll go get the moving truck and help them move out.
2: If gotcha. they, you know, I, I
0: want them to buy the house but if they can't or they got to move or whatever it is and they got to go man I'll come with I'll come with a moving truck to get them out so I can get them out fast why I'm gonna get another tenant buyer in there right away okay, okay. so yes you are going to be responsible you should always keep some money in reserve because it does happen okay mm-hmm. so you always keep some money in reserve for those type type of things but generally speaking, if you have a good property, you know, if you have a good deal, if you put a good deal together, you're going to find another tenant buyer without much problem. Uh, so that's going to take you another 30 days. So you're probably going to put out one month uh, to cover it. Yep. And then you're going to get another 10 grand up front. That works for me. I don't have a problem with that.
2: Okay, I, see. I definitely uh, see the benefits in that. Like you said, you're not looking to have a tenant buyer that's going to default. No. But if if that happens, you still have a backstop, you know, yeah. you just go out and find another uh, tenant buyer.
0: And, and to tell you real briefly, you'll get a kick out of this. I had one house not far from where I'm sitting right now in a place called Toby Farms. It was a row house. I resold that house four times. I had a guy die. I had a guy move to Florida. I had one get married and move out. It was the, It was the fourth wow. guy. That can, and I and that this was a long time ago. I was only getting about three grand up front, but that was four times three grand that I made on that property. You know what I right, mean? Right. Uh, plus all the rent and everything. So I wasn't real upset when they left. Thank mm-hmm. you.
2: So in the in the in the event of a default, do you contact the seller and say, you know, hey, I'm putting a new tenant buyer in there, or because you're in the middle, you just go ahead and you just reposition the property.
0: I normally would let them know. Um, I have control of the property, so I don't have to, but I normally do because you'll find sellers will drive by and I, and a lot of times they'll meet at one time or another. Okay. So if they see somebody strange there, that might upset them or something. So I'll usually call them and tell them exactly. I'm, I'm full disclosure myself. Gotcha. I don't want to get in any trouble from anybody. Okay. So I'll generally call them and say, hey, here's what happened. I got more people I'll put in here. Don't worry, the rent's covered. You're in good shape. And they don't care. They're, yeah. they're usually fine, whatever you want to do.
2: Yeah, their their whole concern is, I just want to be able to pay my mortgage. I right. don't care who pays it as long as it's getting paid. Okay. Yep. Um, have you ever come across a situation where the property ended up, somebody defaulted and the property ended up being trashed and now you're on the hook because you're on the hook for, all repairs, maintenance, and everything like that, and a lease option. Is
0: that correct? I had that happen. um, I had that happen twice in 25 years. One was I was in a neighborhood I shouldn't have been in. It was my fault. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I chalked that up to me. Uh, The other one was uh, the the woman that I put in there, her and her mother, uh, I'll never forget those two. Um, She was crazy, but I didn't know she was crazy until about six months into it. Once I found out she was crazy, I had to get him out of there, you know. But yep. those are the only two. And and I attribute that to doing good background checks, you know, making sure who you're dealing with. Okay. And um I never had anybody other than those two um hurt a house.
2: So speaking of background checks, so how do you qualify your tenant buyers? What what's the screening process to make sure you don't get that crazy person again? What do you use, Joe, as a screening?
0: today today you have services which will do complete background checks you can go to the internet and and look them up they mm-hmm. will back in the day then we had to do a lot of manual stuff you could have a private detective. I had a private detective was a friend of mine and he was oh, wow. okay. okay but you don't have to do that now today you can just go online and they'll do it mm-hmm. and the other thing that I did was I always bring a mortgage broker into the deal before I do anything with a tenant buyer I have the mortgage broker qualify him and he can tell a whole lot about them by looking at their credit. He can tell That's me whether nice. I'm going to have a problem or not. So between the mortgage broker giving me the the, the, the uh, thumbs up and the uh, companies that do the background searches give you the thumbs up, you should be in pretty good shape. These, And plus you're going to call their old landlord. You're going to do the normal things.
2: Okay. Uh, you're going
0: to check their credit. You're going to check their income. You're going to call their old landlord. And of course you can have mortgage broker and the, uh, so I
2: know with more, or I would just say, I'm assuming with most tenant buyers, they may not have perfect credit or they would just go out and buy a house. So how does, how do you qualify that person that may have, you know, a low credit score? Um, but they still want to qualify for your lease option. Right.
0: Uh, what I do, um, uh, Marcus, is the first thing that I do, I get a copy of their credit report. You can get them for free today pretty much anywhere. Okay. Yep. So I'll get that copy of the credit report. I'm going to look at it and I'm not a pro at a credit report, but I can see if there was a bankruptcy or a repossession or, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of bad stuff. So if it looks okay to me, then what, at that point, I'm going to give it to the mortgage broker. The mortgage broker, he's going to do the full-blown deal on it, okay? Okay. And he, he'll come back to me and say, yeah, if this guy does such and such in the next 12 months, he'll be able to qualify for the house. And once I hear that, I, I tell that to the tenant buyer and say, look, this is what you got to do. Are you willing to do it? Now, I can't force him to do it, obviously, no. but, you know, I can tell him, here's what the mortgage broker said. I'll put you with the mortgage broker and he'll help you do it, okay? But will you do this? If they say yes and they seem like they mean it and they have enough money to get in the deal, then we go ahead and do it.
2: Okay. Well, Joe, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to go more into the mortgage broker and the people that's on your team. So let's take a brief break, a brief break and have a word from our sponsors.
1: PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropStream provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sell prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, Comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love
2: Okay, guys, we are back with Joe Bodek, um, who is a master at lease option in wholesale and wholesale lease options. So Joe, before we went to break, we were talking about your um, mortgage broker. How did you find a mortgage broker? And is this someone that should essentially be on someone's team if they're looking at wholesale lease options?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're gonna want a mortgage broker on your team, you're gonna want an attorney, and you're gonna want an accountant. Okay. So the mortgage brokers today, um, actually you can, you can Google them up. There are mortgage companies that work nationwide. So if you're working nationwide, you can Google that up. And of course you have your local brokers in the area, which you can Google up. And then once you find them, once you find them, you want to interview them just like anything else. And you know, my questions are, you know, how long you've been in the business, you know what a lease option is, you know how they work, can you work with a lease option? Are you willing to work with the clients I give you? those type of things. And if they pass the test, then you use them. If they don't work out, you know how many, there's a zillion mortgage brokers out there. So you you can always replace them and find another.
2: So when you structure all of the paperwork, Joe, uh, with the attorney, is everything held with the attorney or is it held at a title company until that lease option period is over? Kind of what happens with the contract? Who's holding that? And, how are we checking for clean title and everything like
0: that? Okay. And now what I do, I'll answer the last thing first, as far as title goes, I always tell my students, the first thing that you want to do, once you have the, a qualified buyer, meaning that your mortgage broker has said to you, yeah, this guy's a go. Okay. okay. If you want to do it with them, it's a go. So you know, you got at least one person that would be willing to purchase the house. Uh, At that point, I tell them to go ahead and get a mini title search done. Okay. Uh, That's not a full-blown deal. It's a mini. They range anywhere from $100 to $150, something like that, $175, depending on where you are. They can do it in a day to two days. And that'll tell you if you have any clouds on the title. So now at least you know you're good there. So that's how Mm -hmm. I qualify them uh, with regard to having a, a, a clean title. With regard to the paperwork, this is a lease. Okay. So I always tell students, look, if you want an attorney involved, I think that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But how many attorneys are there when you go sign an apartment lease or a lease for a house? There's never an attorney there because it's just a lease. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't personally use attorneys because I don't need them. It's just the lease. The option is a simple option. There's nothing complicated about that and it doesn't mean anything until they exercise it. Okay. So, uh, paperwork wise, you know, we all hold our own paperwork. There's no re- need to have it at a title company or an escrow or anything like that. Cause it's really just a lease. That's all it really okay. is.
2: Okay. So how do you guys, and I'm really digging into this, Joe, because I know there's a lot of different misconceptions about wholesale and lease options. So I want to just make sure, sure. you know, why I have the professional on, on the line that we can get all of these questions answered, you know, for, you know our listeners that's interested in this in this strategy uh, so when doing these options um let me see how i can formulate this question so when doing this option i know that the seller is on board with it um is there at let's just say <laughs> at the end of the option period does it ever come up to where the seller says okay you know what i changed my mind i want to back out our financial situation changed or whatever. Now we can afford the house, you know, whatever the circumstance may be. Has that ever
0: happened? Um, I've never had that happen. Uh, now I'm trying to think if I had anybody that actually did that. Um, no, not to my knowledge. Um, now the problem with doing that is that there are agreements here. So you got an instant lawsuit. Gotcha. So, you know, it, it's, and you wouldn't win. Because you you know you've made promises to people and you've signed documents to do that right So they would su- we would sue them for non-performance and that would cost you a whole lot of money so you're better off just moving the house. okay um, I've never never had that happen. Now I have given houses back, okay I, I, okay. I can think of one time I actually gave the house back because the the seller was a little wacky. I mean he would show up at night, Walking around the house, inspecting it to make sure nothing was wrong, and the (laughs) buyers were going nuts because they kept calling the cops. They didn't know who he was, so he wouldn't stop. So I had to work out a deal, you know, with the buyer to get him into a new place, and I gave that house back to the guy because, you know, that happened to me once that I recall. But I don't recall any sellers coming back saying they wanted their house back. So how
2: did you how did you navigate that with the with the buyers because that that puts you in a position now okay, I these people, they didn't pay hypothetically $10,000 up front and we have this agreement. Now I have to try and find them another property. Yeah. So was it just so happy you had inventory or how did you navigate that, Joe?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what I did, Marcus, was I gave him a choice. I said, look, I'll give you your money back and you can go do whatever it is you want to do. I don't recall what it was. It was probably five, 10, 15 grand, somewhere in there. Um, but I said, I'll give you your money back. You can go ahead and do whatever you want to do, uh, or, uh, stay here. Okay. And we'll keep paying the the rent while you're here. And then I'll find you a new place that you like. Okay. Okay. Just so happened. I came across a place that they liked. I guess i lucked out,
2: you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I
0: just moved them right into there and gave that house back to the other seller.
2: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So Joe, you've made, you've used this as a strong business model um, for what you're doing. So how are you working with properties, you know, with no equity? Is it the same process? Um,
0: Yeah. Um, Working with a property with no equity, there's a simple cure. All you've got to do is have a longer lease period. That allows the equity to build back into the house so that they can go get a mortgage. You know, so instead of a two year or one or two or three year, you might do a five or six year um, lease. Okay. Um, now, you know, you can work. You can actually work with properties that that have no equity in them. They're actually upside down. I wouldn't go more than maybe 10 or 15 percent, you know, of them being underwater. Uh, But you can give them a, a longer lease period and that cures the problem of the equity. And then
2: some of the sellers there, they're willing to do on average, how long is the, the lease
0: period that you structure with your, uh, your seller? <laughs> I always recommend uh, that you give them a year, <coughs> excuse me, you give them a year because, well, I'll tell you why in a minute. You give them a year with the right to renew for another 12 months at the seller's discretion, at your discretion, okay? okay. So if they're not a good tenant or whatever, and you want to get rid of them, you don't have to renew it. If they are a good tenant, but they need a little bit more time, you already have it built into the agreement. Now, that's just, and I, I, I do that for two reasons. Number one, I know that the people want to get the house gone as fast as they can out of their name, the sellers. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it to be forever. Um, and the other reason is, as you said, most of these people, Marcus, uh, have uh, a credit problem. So it takes anywhere normally from a year to twelve months to twenty-four months to clean your credit. Okay. Okay. This gives them that 24 months. Okay. So that's why I utilize that. Now but if a seller, I've had sellers want to do it for five years. I don't know why. I don't argue with them. If that's what you want, we'll get let the tenant buyer stay there for five years if you want. It's up to you.
2: And that's even better for you because you get yeah, more it's money better for me. rent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you have your tenant buyers that have, you know, the challenge credit, do you have them working with a credit professional or someone like that to make sure at the end of that term that they qualify to uh, purchase the house?
0: Two methodologies to do that. My personal preference is I like them to work with the mortgage broker. Number one, it's free. The mortgage brokers know what they're doing, just like these credit card, credit companies do. They know what they're doing. And, you know, they're working one-on-one with these people to get them where they want to go. And of course the mortgage broker has a has a financial interest in making yep. sure this happens because he wants to get paid, okay? Gotcha. The other thing you can do obviously is send them to one of these companies, which is fine. Uh, but I always prefer to have the mortgage because I know the mortgage broker. I can talk with him, I can find out what's going on. And I know he has a big interest in getting it done because he wants to get his commission on, on the deal.
2: Gotcha, okay. Understood. It seems like there's some moving pieces, but it doesn't, it don't seem like it's something extremely difficult to do. Why do you think more people aren't utilizing this strategy, Joe?
0: I don't, I honestly don't know. It was from this way from the beginning to tell you the truth. People hear the word uh, lease option, people meaning investors and, and their eyes roll. They, it's like it's from outer space or something. I don't understand it. It's extremely simple. It's no harder than a car lease. I mean, it really right. isn't. Okay. And yet they'll go into a car dealership and do a lease option. <laughs> but they, when it comes to a house, it's like, Oh, wait a minute. That, that That's a bad thing. It's the same exact thing you did at the car dealership. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: So, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you one thing. I don't mind because it keeps a whole lot. I can tell your listeners right now, there ain't a whole lot of competition out there. Right. right. Gotcha. Because people think that it's really difficult. And I, I don't even know, to tell you the truth. I, it's a mystery to me.
2: OK. OK. Sounds good. So, Joe, um, what do you do? Because I know we've touched on this briefly about um, if the tenant defaults. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had a situation where the tenant default and you had to how did you get them out of the house you know do you go through follow the landlord tenant laws or do you follow foreclosure kind of what what do you do in that situation
0: no it's not a foreclosure it's an eviction and you just follow the eviction rules wherever your district court is and they'll put them out
2: gotcha gotcha okay sounds great man it sounds Sounds like an awesome strategy. So, Joe, tell me, you've been doing this for years. What's next for you?
0: Well, I'll tell you, at this point, Marcus, I'm kind of looking to give back. See, I got into this mentoring thing about, it's been about eight or ten years. I can't remember exactly when I started, but um, I was getting ready to retire. because I've been in business 41 years, 45 years, excuse me. Wow, okay. And I've been here a long time, made a few bucks. I I was getting ready to retire and um, so many people were asking me, you know, how do you do this? Do you teach me how to do this. So I started teaching people. I found out I was pretty good. So I was actually doing it for free just to help people. But what's happening was when you do something for free, people don't respond. Yeah. They, they just, you know they what I'm saying? They don't value it. They don't value it. So um, I think, you know, I I, I designed a pro, programs that are, completely affordable for people. I mean, it's, you, you get involved in my programs for less than a night after dinner and a movie. I mean, it's, it's cheap. Okay. Okay. And I did that for a reason because it's not about the money for me. For me, it's about teaching people how to do this because I can't tell you how many people have called me. You know, I just paid, I paid $5,000 and never got a deal done and that, 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 that. And I kept hearing all this and hearing it. I said, well, I'm. I want to give them the ability not to have to go through that. So, so from here, what I want to do is I want to be able to um, teach people how to successfully do more people, how to successfully do this than any other coach out there. That's really my goal at this point. Because as I said, I was going to retire and I said, well, it'd be more fun to give back and start helping people learn how to do this because they're asking me anyway. So I might as well teach them, you know? Okay and so that's the next move. Uh to, to keep doing this until you know because I, I don't I'm I don't want to sit here and clip coupons. <laughs> yeah yeah. I, I gotta do something. I can only play the guitar so many hours, right? So right. so you know, I gotta do something. And this is I gotta tell you, I've done a lot I've done hundreds of deals, you know, but I still get way more of a kick when one of my students calls me up and says, Hey, guess what I just did? <laughs> yep. That to me is that's success. You know? That's success.
2: So I'm going to yeah. talk to you before we wrap up. I'm going to talk to you and get more information about the program that you offer, because I think it'd be a benefit, you know, to people that's looking into getting into lease options. That way they can get it from someone with 45 years experience versus a novice.
0: Could I make one comment before we talk sure. about that, uh, which I think will be helpful to your listeners? Uh, all you guys listening out there, one thing I want to tell you to do is to make sure that you get lease options into your program. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Don't change anything. Okay. But I mean, if you don't like me or you want to find another person or you want to do it on your own, that's fine. However you do it, do it. And I'll tell you why guys, you're wholesalers. Most, most of your people are wholesalers. I assume. I want you to take a moment, think about how many leads it takes you to get a deal. Now, you're throwing those leads out right now, okay? Imagine if one of those leads per month, just one of all that you're throwing out, could be turned into a lease option, which I'm, I, know the, I know you have at least one in that mess you're throwing out every month. Yep. Okay? And let's suppose that uh, we'll stay conservative and say it was a $10,000 assignment fee. We'll, we'll use the wholesale lease option, okay? So There'll be a $10,000 assignment fee. Imagine if one of the leads that you're throwing out turns into that every month. Well, do the math. (laughs) Even if it happens, you know what I'm saying? You you don't have to go crazy, but if if just one that you're throwing in the trash turns into a lease option, which the odds are in your favor, because this is what I teach my students, okay? And then another thing that you should keep in mind is imagine all the hundreds of thousands of wholesalers out there that are throwing their leads in the trash. Yeah. And you contact them and say, hey, I can turn that trash into cash and I'll give you some money or I'll split the deal or whatever. I, I have students that have actually made a career out of just getting in touch with wholesalers. Okay? Wow. They don't have to go out and search for leads anymore because yeah. the wholesalers have them all. That's a little bit of what I teach. But all I'm trying to tell you wholesalers out there is if you don't have lease options in your toolkit, you can't do it. You're just going to keep throwing them out. But if you do have them in your toolkit, if only one of those leads worked every month, imagine the kind of money you can make from Yeah.
2: Yeah. So absolutely.
0: I just wanted to let your listeners know that however they do it, add lease options to your, uh, to your toolkit. You'll be really happy that you do.
2: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And like I said, we're going to definitely get, into that because I'm curious about it myself. So, Mm -hmm. Joe, let's roll into our hot seat questions. We're going to put you, Joe Bodek, on the hot seat. So let's answer these questions as quick as possible. Uh, So Joe, starting over, what would you do different?
0: I would have done more marketing and worked harder. Those are the two things I would have done.
2: Okay. And what is your greatest commodity outside of capital?
0: me 40 45 years worth of knowledge
2: experience huh <laughs> okay and what is one thing you could do to be more productive
0: um i i think being i think utilizing the internet m- more and better would allow me to be more productive because i could get to more people
2: okay and then um what drives your ambition joe after 45 years yeah. of service what drives you what keeps you still going
0: uh what gets me going is what we were just talking about. I really want to uh, teach more students out there than any other uh, coach out there how to do these deals um, so that they can have the same chances that I had.
2: Great. Great. And then what do you believe is the, your greatest challenge internal or external? Uh,
0: Again, my greatest challenge right now is to get more students that to to teach more people how to do this. Cause I got to tell you, it's, it's, when they do a deal, it's like I did the deal. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's it, that—that's my biggest challenge. I want to get more students and teach more people. Okay.
2: All right. Natural educator, huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not All bad right. at it, you know.
2: <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you got the gift of gab. We're we're having a great conversation here. It's seamless. So I I can imagine what the uh, the information that your students are getting. So Joe, tell me what is you know, the latest business book or real estate book that you've read?
0: Well, you know, I thought about that and I haven't read a business book in years. I can't remember okay. the last one that I ever, uh, I I just haven't. Um, uh, I What I do these days is I follow all the gurus and uh, um, uh, coaches and so forth on the internet. It's kind of like reading a book because you know they're all putting out all, out all this information, and that's how I really learn stuff. So, i i be honest with you, I haven't read a business book in years. Okay, gotcha. I
2: okay. gotta be
0: straight with you on that.
2: Yep, yep, no problem, no problem. So, Joe, give us the ins and outs. So, if we have a listener right now that would like to team up with you and to learn how to wholesale lease options or do sandwich lease options, what What do you have to offer? Um, How can they get in touch with you? And, you know, kind of roll out your program for us real quick.
0: Well, I'll tell you how to get in touch with me first. That would be my email, which is the letter J, B-O-D-E-K, one at uh, gmail.com. So that's jbodek1 at gmail.com. And my site is um, realestatementoringusa.com. Okay. RealEstateMentoringUSA.com. So that's how you get in touch with me. Now, what I have to offer, briefly, um, I understand uh, the the biggest thing out there that I understand is that most of these uh, programs out there are somewhat, let's say, expensive. You know, use a nice word, okay? They're they're expensive. Most people can't afford them. Uh, so what I've done is set up a program by which you can get involved for less than a night out to dinner and a movie. And to prove it to, you, I'm not going to give you numbers now. You go prove it to yourself. You go to my site. Okay, it's right there in front of you. Okay, proof. So I set it up that way, and um, you get one-on-one mentoring with me. Okay, not some surrogate. It's always with me. There's two ways you can work within the program. Very briefly, I can walk you through the deal from beginning to end. How that works. Very briefly, you have a form. You're going to find your motivated seller. I show you how to do all this. But you'll have a form called a property information form. You fill that form out you email it to me you fill it out with the seller you get some basic information mm-hmm. from the seller you email that to me i look at it mm-hmm. if it looks like we got something worthwhile i'll tell you to set up a three-way call from that point on you'll listen to me do the deal i'll walk you through the three-way call i'll talk to the seller i'll put the contracts together i go over all of this with you the object is to cut your learning curve in half that's what i'm trying to do gotcha. so you can get on your on your own quickly okay so I'll walk you through the, the deal, do all the paperwork or all that with you. And at the end of the deal, we'll split the upfront money. Okay, that's how I get paid. So if I don't, if I don't get you making money, I don't get a fee. You get so you don't have, everybody wins. Okay. That's one way to work the program. I walk you through it. Now I have a student by the name of IO. He's an amazing student. He, I never walked him through a deal. Now this guy, you, you'd love this, Marcus, this guy uh, in the, I think it was the sixth or seventh month he was with me. This guy did 50,000 bucks in one month. Okay. One month. And uh, he did not have a real big real estate background and I never walked him through a deal, but what he did do, you know, he joined my program, but what he did do is he would call me every time he got to a stage of the deal. Well, what should I do? And I would tell him, and then he would go do it. Okay. So if you're just calling me for advice, like he did, then we don't split any deals. uh, Because what happens is there's an upfront cost, which again is very inexpensive. Then there's a monthly fee, which is a whopping $25. Okay, Okay. (laughs) you know, that's just to keep people, you know, um, you gotta have a little skin in the game. Otherwise, you know, it's not worth it to anybody. It's not really about me making money, it's about you having skin in the game. So as long as you maintain your $25 per month, Fee, okay, that you pay every month for the mentoring. I can either walk you through deals or just give you advice like I did IO. So that's how the program works. I give you two ways to go.
2: Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, Joe, sounds like you have a good product there. You've been doing it. You have 45 years of experience. Lastly, before we end this podcast, what would you want to say to the listeners, those that are on the fence trying to get started don't know what to do um but they definitely want to do it what what advice would you give those listeners
0: the best advice that i think i can give you if you're just starting the first thing i'm going to tell you is if you can find a mentor that you can afford and that you like get them because if you're out there stumbling and bumbling around it's just going to make things worse for you. Yeah, it really yeah, will. I mean, yeah. you know, people say hang in there, stick in there. It's hard when you don't understand anything you're alone and everybody's telling, you no. Yeah, <laughs> okay? and I understand. Yeah. So my I, first, go ahead. What were you going
2: to say? I was just going to say when I first got started, I tried, you know, on my own, I did the bumbling and stumbling. And then, um, I found a mentor by accident. Yeah. And then after that, my learning curve shot through the roof and it's been, you know, no looking back since then. So yeah, guys, definitely, you know, find a mentor. That's, that's the first
0: thing. Yeah. That's the first thing I would say is find a mentor. The second thing that I would say, which is all important is you cannot give up. You just can't. If you're ser- now, look, if it's just something part-time that you want to make vacation money from, Treat it that way, and that's fine. You get it one deal a year, pays for your vacation. There's yep. absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you don't have to go, you know, back crazy to do that, okay? You'll find one deal in a year so you can take your vacation. But if you're serious, you know, you want to get out of that cubicle or whatever your problem is that you want to solve, you cannot give up. Because here's, here's the only thing I want to say, and then I'll quit, is that there's one thing you want to understand. There's three things in life that always work, no matter what food, shelter, and clothing. You can't walk around naked because you're getting all kind of trouble.
2: Yep. You got
0: to eat or you'll die. Okay. And you got to have a roof over your head. So as long as people are, are, you know, need a roof over their head, this business can't go anywhere. It's always, always going to work. And we screw it up. It isn't the business that screws us. We do it yep. by not doing our due diligence, by not, you know, doing the things we should. So, uh, I would say that you never give up because real estate always works. It's just a matter of you working through the problems. And, you know, you're going to hear no. Doesn't mean that they're mad at you. They just don't want your service. That's all. So, the third thing I would say is don't succumb to no. Don't don't let that drive you out of the business. And I think that would probably get them through.
2: Okay. Well, sounds good, Joe. Hey, I want to appreciate it. I believe Our listeners, as well as I did, got a wealth of information and debunked a lot of uh, misperception on lease options. So guys, if you want more information from Joe, you can reach him at jbodak1 at gmail.com. Or you can go to his website, which is realestatementoringusa.com, which I'll have all of that information down in the show notes. So Joe, again, Thank you for being here, speaking to the listeners and talking to us about
0: Wholesale and Lease Options. It was a pleasure, Marcus. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Thank you. So, guys, that was Joe Bodek out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We discussed Wholesale and Lease Options. A lot of quality information there. You know, just to go back, he explained the basics of lease options, the difference between wholesaling lease options and sandwich lease options. He explained why it's beneficial to have that added to your toolbox as a wholesaler. So make sure you know you look into this, it may be an opportunity for you to close an additional one or two deals a month. And like you said, hey, if it's an additional $10,000 or even $5,000, on a deal that you were going to throw away, um, that's the difference between an additional sixty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. So make sure you listen to the podcast all the way through. And it's Marcus Maloney, and I will talk to you next time on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com. Also, youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.